She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and I'm so excited to have Morley Robbins back with us. Today we are talking about autoimmune issues, chronic fatigue, parasites, low-dose naldextrone, all kinds of fun stuff and I am so excited. Morley, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and look forward to our discussion today. Well, I have the most important information to share with you is that for the longest time I have gone and I've gotten my blood work done and over and over, they always tell me that my iron is low. They always tell me my ferritin is abnormally low. Like it's not just low, you know how things can be low, but then it gets like really low. Mm -hmm. I was even to the point that I was going to get like iron infusions. Cause I was like, they were like, your iron is low. And I started taking copper from listening to your last podcast. I went to go get my blood work done and my iron was back to perfect. So I'm so excited about it, but I want you to explain it because it's actually kind of, I don't know that I totally understand how me taking this copper. Now, all of a sudden, my iron is back to perfect. So explain it to us. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, and you're you're not alone. There are millions and millions of Chantel out there that's just like, what's going on? So um, in the world of, of traditional Chinese medicine, copper is called the general and iron is called the foot soldier. Well, you don't need to be in the military to know that generals are more important than foot soldiers. And there's, a, there's only a small amount of copper in the body. Uh, it's, it's about 100 milligrams. And for people to get a sense of what, what does that represent, 100 milligrams of copper fits on the head of a one-inch stick pin. It's a really tiny amount. And how much iron are we supposed to have? Oh, about four to 5,000 milligrams. So you know, a significant multiple of, of the copper. And it actually, it's a little bit more involved because actually, according to the leading iron biologists around the world, we actually accumulate iron in our tissue, one milligram for every day we're on the planet. So we can, we can take our, our birthday and multiply it times 365. So I'm gonna be 70 in a couple months. And my iron content is like 25,000 milligrams. It's like it's five times what you would expect it to be in a healthy male. And people just don't know that it's accumulating. And what really drives the accumulation of iron is lack of copper in the diet. And there's this very powerful relationship between these two metals. And this goes back to... 1928 was when they first identified this powerful relationship between copper in the diet and iron in the liver. And um, <clears throat> a team of scientists at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, headed up by Dr. Hart, 
uh, denied copper to rodents. And what they discovered was that iron was building in the liver of those same rodents. And it was, a, at the time, it was one of the most earth-shattering findings of its day. They should have gotten a Nobel Prize for it, but they didn't. Um, but what's interesting is that about 100 years later, so we go from 1928 to 2021, another team of scientists headed up by uh, Kim and Gonzalez, they decided to approach it genetically. And they identified 10 genes that have, have a relationship with each other, but also have three of them are dealing with zinc, three of them are dealing with copper, and four were dealing with iron. And they wanted to see in the face of copper deficiency, is there any change in expression of those 10 genes? And there was only one gene that changed, and it's called ferritin light chain. And you've been told that you have low ferritin. Well, there's actually two types of ferritin in the body. There's light chain and heavy chain. Heavy chain requires copper to work properly. Light chain, not so much. And in the face of copper deficiency, the ferritin light chain took off like a rocket. And where does it express itself? In our liver. So it took almost 100 years to prove genetically the doctor's heart and his team in Wisconsin were absolutely correct in their conclusions. Now here's where it gets really fascinating is that um, we think that metals that show up in the blood are perfectly representative of their concentration in the tissue. I mean, why wouldn't we think that? You know, we go, go to the doctor, get a blood test and, and the report comes back and these are your levels. And we've just assumed that whatever's in the blood is gonna be a, a, a perfect representation of what's in the tissue. That's not true at all. Uh, in 2004, a very famous scientist named Bruce Ames and his colleague, Dr. Kalilia, uh, did a major study. And what they were able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt is that iron in the tissue can be 10 times higher than iron in the blood. And that's a very important finding that the blood test may not be perfectly representative. So we've got this low copper causes iron to rise in the liver. We've got this, oh, low iron in the blood does not mean that it's low in the tissue. In fact, it means just the opposite. And then when we get to copper, we've got to flip it around. Very often people are led to believe that they have high copper in the blood, not knowing that that means that there's low copper in the tissue. Now, with your specific situation, um, when you started to take copper and started to do the, the protocol, started to get access to bioavailable copper, what happened was the whole process of rebuilding and replacing red blood cells increased. And what I find absolutely fascinating is that every second of every day, we need to replace two and a half million red blood cells every second. And in the course of 24 hours, it's 200 billion red blood cells that need to be replaced. It's a lot of, a lot of red blood cells. 
But there's a catch. The amount of iron needed to replace that 200 billion red blood cells is only 25 milligrams. Wow. So I've got, I've got thousands in my body, but I only need 25 every day. And here's where it gets fascinating, is that 24 of those 25 milligrams come from a recycling system that involve what are called macrophages. Those are the Pac-Men that gobble up pathogens, but they gobble up dying red blood cells. And what is important for the listeners to understand is that the macrophage gobbles up red blood cells, but it needs to be able to let the iron out so they can complete the recycling process, get the iron back to the bone marrow where the new red blood cells are actually made. They're, they're actually made by uh, cells that are called nurse cells, like in a hospital, nurse cells. And, uh, <clears throat> and one, of the, one of the more fundamental decisions that, that the bone marrow needs to make in our body, I find this fascinating. Are we gonna make bone or are we gonna make blood? And it's constantly going back and forth. What are we gonna make today? Uh, even though we have this constant need to turn over the red blood cells. And so the nurse cells need to have access to that iron so that it can create uh, the hemoglobin, so that it can create the red blood cell. And this process is very copper dependent and that's not well understood. It's certainly not well discussed on the internet and it's not well discussed in doctor school. And so go ahead. I want to I want to kind of recap a little and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So I want to kind of like regurgitate some of the things that I feel like you've taught me and if I if at any time I'm not on track stop me. So I've one of the things that you've taught me is that number 1 copper is an absolutely essential mineral and it has so many roles in the body and a lot of us are not getting enough copper in our diet which help which makes us to have fatigue and weakness and that not having enough copper actually can cause iron deficiency anemia where the body is unable to carry enough oxygen to the to its tissues and people think okay if i'm anemic or if i have low iron the the one of the big reasons that you could be anemic or have low iron is because you have a copper deficiency and one of the things i wanted and i know i've kind of researched things that are high in foods that are higher in copper, which would be like liver, oysters, spirulina, um, mushrooms, you know, nuts and seeds. And I was thinking to myself and leafy greens, which I do get a lot of leafy greens, but like, I don't like beef liver. So I guess I could take a beef liver. I don't like oysters. I love spirulina like in my shakes and stuff like that. But why are people with the food that they're eating not getting enough copper in their diets? um, For 80 years, copper has been considered the number one nutrient deficiency on the farm. 
the, the copper that our ancestors grew up with has been affected by farming chemicals and, and also by food processing. When you start to refine the grains, you're going to strip away the, the, the components that have the minerals in them. And so it's just, we live in an era where the, um, the soil isn't being fed as, as much as it should be. And the food is being refined and being flooded with sugar. Sugar is no friend to copper, I can tell you, especially high fructose corn syrup. And so we're, we're um, challenged to find enough copper in our diet. Uh, you're certainly not alone in not liking liver. I've, I've got a I've done 7,000 consults and I've got a list of like 12 or 13 people who got excited that they could eat beef liver. Everybody else was like, oh, I don't think so. So it's, it's a very common uh, point of resistance. But, but the thing is, a, a grass-fed cow is going to produce a liver that's very healthy and it's going to have more copper than iron. And that's, that's the key behind the, the um, intake of the organ meats. Now, do you take a copper supplement yourself? I do. So um, I actually developed one. Uh, it's, it's what I call my revenge for COVID and it's called Recuperate. And it's, it's desiccated beef liver, spirulina, a dash of turmeric, and then two milligrams of uh, something called copper bisglycinate. And that just means it's got two glycine amino acids in it. And it's a two milligram um, capsule. And I, I actually take two of those a day. And that helps me stay on top of my game, gives me the energy that I'm looking for. And But that's by no means the only form out there. There's a wonderful form called copper hydrazole. It's made by... Natural Immunogenics Corporation. It's a copper, it's basically copper water. It's wonderful. Uh, a big fan of the copper cream by Dr. Lauren Pickert. Uh, it's a 3% uh, GHK copper peptide. Wonderful product. So there's a lot of different ways that you can support it. I think that the challenge we've got uh, is that as much as we want to get these minerals from the food, I'm not convinced the farmers are as attentive to mineral composition in the soil. And then, and then we've got the challenge of um, this modern food processing. I think it really affects the mineral and vitamin status of our food. So that's why there's some value in having a supplement as part of your routine. So where do you, the one that you developed, where does someone buy that if they want to get that one? It's a, a company called Formula IQ. And just, just Google, you all you have to do is Google recuperate. And that's a sign of my unending wit, recuperate. And um, that'll get you to that, to that product. Um, but I'm quick to tell people that that's certainly not the only form. But I think it's one that um, people are finding is a very um, easy to digest, especially when it's taken with food. The copper is a supplement that really needs to be with food. That's its kit. That's its gift. And, um, and so as long as you uh, honor that, I think you'll be fine. And I would, I would have people start with a single capsule and see how they feel. And maybe after two or three weeks, they can increase it and see what happens when they have two capsules, either 
in divided doses or you know with with all their other supplements when they're taking them during the day mm, i love that so i want to talk to you about it seems like the buzzword right now, LDN or low dose naltrexone. Mm -hmm. And everyone who is talking about it, they're talking about people who have chronic pain, including migraines, fibromyalgia, you know, any kind of autoimmune related disorders are having great success on this low dose naltrexone. So tell us a little bit about what you have seen with that and how you've seen it help in patients. Yeah, well, I've, I've actually been fascinated by it for years, not really understanding its biochemical properties. And it was just... Um, in the last couple of months, uh, one of my colleagues brought an article to my attention by Dr. Saeed, S-A-E-E-D, I believe it's 2019, but it, it explains why LDN works. And when we go back to those macrophages that are gobbling up red blood cells, they do fill up with iron. And what, what people need to understand is that um, stuck iron is not our friend. The body is really designed to have a constant circulation of iron. And what's happened in the modern era, uh, this really started in 1972 with the publication of an important study um, in, in London uh, about serum ferritin. Uh, Dr. Jacobs, who was a hematologist and his colleagues in London, uh, moved the spotlight away from hemoglobin and put it on serum ferritin. Well, that means that we went from circulation, which is what hemoglobin is, it's constantly circulating in the body, to storage. Iron is not supposed to be stored. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a very um, contraindicated uh, idea that we're supposed to have all the stored iron. And the, the problem is that if the iron gets stuck in those macrophages, it's going to fester, and it's going to create problems. And I, um, I came across an article recently, and I, I have a group of people that I send my articles out to just to stimulate their neurons. I had found this article about this significant iron accumulation in um, the macrophages. And one of my colleagues who's a physician said, now this makes sense. He said, I read years and years ago that every autoimmune condition was a function of iron accumulation. He said, now we know where it's happening. And I think it's important for people to realize that we now have, I think, 100 different autoimmune conditions. But what's at the center of them is excess iron stuck in the macrophages, uh, a lack of copper, so that means we're getting poor energy production and parasites. And that's a, a virtual certainty that there's some pathogen, some uh, microbial uh, infestation that's attached, whether we're talking about Sjogren's or lupus or you know, um, diabetes. I mean, again, all of these autoimmune conditions are very significant, very pervasive, but almost without exception, they involve stuck iron, and what LDN does is 
it's almost like it's a synthetic form of copper. And this Dr. Saeed has a, a marvelous uh, diagram in his article where he shows exactly how LDN um, supports and facilitates the recycling of iron. And I think it's important for people to realize that in the short term, that makes perfect sense. Long term, I would use the LDN, but, but really as a means to begin to bring uh, metabolic relief, but work with the root cause protocol to build up your own natural stores of copper and get bioavailable copper to run the, um, the metabolic pathways and avoid that stuck iron. Just as you found in, in your situation, your, your blood work was a, a demonstration of stuck iron. It showed low in the blood and the practitioners that were advising you did not know that there's a catalytic mechanism called copper that unleashes that and begins to allow proper circulation and recycling. Well, the same thing will go with um, the autoimmune. Once you start to mobilize that iron, I don't know that you're going to be as dependent on LDN as long as you understand that one of the goals going forward is to reduce the amount of iron in your tissue. And that we do that through blood donations. And even more important, increase the amount of bioavailable copper, especially the copper and the retinol working together. And that's the magic sauce to allow the body to keep iron in circulation and keep these um, autoimmune conditions at bay. So it is just so hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. Everyone is talking about how critical magnesium is. And there is a long list of symptoms and diseases that can be eased or even treated with magnesium. So way back when, doctors used magnesium for all kinds of conditions like arrhythmia, constipation, preeclampsia, even seizures. And now it's kind of used as a last resort. It's absolutely essential to our health and our well-being. This is a huge problem because magnesium deficiency can increase your risk for all these different diseases. So I am really a big advocate of getting as many nutrients as we can through a well-balanced diet. Like that is super important. But I really feel like right now that food alone isn't going to work because our soil is so overworked and so mineral depleted that it's just lacking so much magnesium. Fortunately, Buy Optimizers has the solution. Their magnesium is the only one that has seven types of magnesium, and it's specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash waste away. That's magbreakthrough.com slash waste away and get 10% off and use the code waste away to get your magnesium. So talk to us a little bit about the practical tips. So it, what, number one, you would recommend that somebody go to get the Recuperate IQ or a, just a form of copper um, that they would take maybe one supplement per day. Um, and then do, have I heard you before say something for guys, if someone's not menstruating, they should maybe go get their blood like give blood like once a quarter or something like that, that will help. Is that right? 
Yeah. I mean, what, what I would really encourage people to do, and I think you you are uh, the poster child now, You, I think you probably had some questions about what I was recommending, but you dove in and you said, I want to I want to approach this with a completely different perspective. There's a book called Cure Your Fatigue. I would encourage people to get that book, whether it's physical or audio or ebook, and get a sense of what these concepts are about, about copper and iron and the relationship that they have. <clears throat> Listen to some of my podcasts. I've got I've got 200 podcasts out there, but there are probably a dozen or more that are just focused on this anemia issue. And the, the distinction we've got to draw is there's the belief is that the anemia of iron deficiency is the greatest nutrient deficiency on the planet. I don't believe that exists, but there's something called anemia of chronic inflammation. And that's when copper is low, there's an inflammatory process that causes the iron to get stuck. So it isn't really anemia of iron deficiency, it's anemia of iron dysregulation. When you don't have enough copper, iron is going to get dysregulated. People need to understand those basics. They need to understand that low iron, whether we're talking hemoglobin or serum iron or ferritin, that doesn't mean that the tissue level is low. Very likely, it's just the opposite, a la Dr. Hart and Dr. Kim and Gonzalez. People need to realize that there's a lot of information out there that is not readily discussed on the internet nor in doctor's offices. And so I think it's what, what I really appreciate about what you're doing here, Chantel, is that you're seeking to elevate people's awareness that there's more to the story. I think that's, that's beautiful. So I'd have that basic understanding of, of the issue, get some working knowledge of, of the anemia. What, what is it? Is it this iron dysregulation? Is it a copper issue? More than likely. And then really encourage people to get into doing the, the root cause protocol and there's a series of stops and starts. And one of the components of that program is to incorporate the copper supplement and, and recuperate as, as good as, as they come. And that would be a great way for people to kind of really elevate the energetics in their body and, and really accelerate the recycling of iron, just as you found. You, you, I think you were probably, um, when you first reached out to me, I wasn't quite sure whether you were excited or not. And, and then I realized with your subsequent uh, text, you were like over the moon. You were just, you were so excited. And that's, that's really the, the focus. That's really the objective is to replicate that experience with your followers and the people that, that you're going to reach through this kind of conversation. Well, let's talk about vitamin D for just a second. And here's the thing is like, I am very much like I test everything out. Yeah. And so it's funny because I love this place that I go to. It's called Restore Cryotherapy. Okay. And, you know, they have all these different things where they have like cryotherapy and they have, you know, red light therapy and just, you know, all those type of things. And they also do a lot of like B12 shots, B6 shots, vitamin D. Right. And so I was thinking, you know, I I don't try to get too much sun because I am always, my mom, look, my mom's like, I don't, I can't tell her age because she's, 
she gets mad when I do, but she looks like a million bucks. Like everyone who sees my mom, they think she's like in her, in her forties and fifties and she looks amazing. Sister, right? <laughs> yes. And, but it's because she doesn't get any sun. So she like always has an umbrella. I mean, she just really protects her skin. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to go to cryotherapy and they had like vitamin D shots on the, on on special. I ended up getting a vitamin D shot. And I, after I got that vitamin D shot, I felt terrible. I was like, I feel awful. And then I started thinking about your podcast. Cause it kind of was like an aha when you were talking and you were saying, you know, too much, you know, it seems like the one thing that most doctors will agree, like general doctors, right. is that everybody is low on vitamin D and that everyone should get more vitamin D. Like if you got a room of 20 doctors, regular doctors, I feel like 19 out of 20 would agree, if not 20 out of 20, that everyone's low on vitamin D. And you have a contradiction to that. So I want you to talk about that. And I feel like, again, it's like every time I look at it, I test it. I'm like, again, Morley's right. I went and got that vitamin D shot and felt horrible. So talk about that. So the question that's not being asked, Chantel, is why are people's vitamin D low? Why is it low? So <clears throat> we're led to believe that the, the words that rule nutrition and medicine are high and low. They're very dangerous words because they create the illusion of high is good and low is bad. When in fact, what the body runs on is the word called bioavailable. And it's a bell-shaped curve. And it's the bookends that are the problems invariably inside the body. And when you, when you think about vitamin D and someone says, oh, your vitamin D is low, you think, well, oh, well, then I'll just take some vitamin D and I'll, I'll perk it back up. And so vitamin D is not um, the fuel gauge on your car dashboard. It's miles per gallon. The fuel gauge is high-low, right? It's, it's either full or it's empty. But miles per gallon is variables. And it could be air pressure in the tires, it could be the carburetor, it could be the type of fuel, a lot of different components that go into getting optimal miles per gallon. You can fill up your car with gasoline, not just the tank, but fill up the, the, the seating area, and your miles per gallon is not going to get better. And that's that's when I think people need to step back and say, oh, wait a minute, okay. So what is what's causing the storage D to be low. So the storage D is actually made in the liver. And there's an enzyme called 25-hydroxylase enzyme. And it takes the precursor vitamin D, that enzyme, and magnesium to turn it into the storage form of vitamin D. And in fact, I think we had this conversation previously. It's not really a vitamin, it's a hormone. So the storage level of, of a hormone is gonna be influenced by the amount of magnesium and the functionality of that enzyme. And what can get in the way of that is too much iron in the liver. And now we're going back to our earlier discussion. If copper's low in the diet, iron's gonna build in the liver 
and you are going to have an underperforming uh, 25-hydroxylase enzyme. So that, that's the storage form of the, um, the nutrient. The part that people are not fully aware of is there's an active form. Every hormone has storage and active um, structure and function. Well, the active form is principally made in the kidneys. Again, we're back to an enzyme function, but at this time it's called 125-hydroxylase. But we've got the same catalyst, it's called magnesium. And if magnesium isn't strong enough in the kidney, it's going to cause a um, decrease in the production of the active form. Now, the thing is that's important is people need to understand that their storage levels fluctuate with the sun and their active levels, for the most part, are static. They don't change. You're not supposed to change unless you're sick. And then the active level is going to rise to fight the pathogens that are involved. And so um, it's very important for people to realize that the, uh, the high-low mentality is incorrect. It's about variables. It's algebra, miles per gallon. It's, is my magnesium strong? And is, is the enzyme working? And when, it's, when it shows up low, you can, you can uh, pretty well assume that there's an iron building in your liver that's causing magnesium loss and causing that enzyme to rust out. And, and that's very well established in the literature. Um, this, it's, it's very unnerving to your earlier point that in a room with 20 practitioners, 20 of them will all say that everyone needs more vitamin D. And I don't think people are questioning the, um, the whole dynamic of correlation in research versus causation. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, do flies cause garbage? Do, do firemen cause fires? Do skid marks cause accidents? No, but they, they all show up when those things happen. And so the, the low vitamin D is a sign of inflammation. And, and what causes inflammation is a lack of magnesium. And that's the pioneering work of William Wiglicky at George Washington University Medical Center back in 1992. He, he turned science on its ear to be able to prove that magnesium deficiency, which fires up that enzyme to make storage D, uh, gets lost. And when it gets lost, that's what triggers inflammation. And so there's, the key is there's more to the story and people need to be uh, a little more discerning. And I think we live in an era now where we know we've been misled and misfed. We know that. The last two years especially have, have solidified that reality. And I think we just need to be a lot more scrutinizing about what we're being asked to do. And the real question that people need to be asking their practitioners is, why is my vitamin D low? That would be the most important thing people can do is to get into the weeds of the relationship between the enzyme, the, the magnesium, and the liver 
and the iron that's building up in that um, organ. Hey guys, I really want you to join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our intermittent fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. So if someone has low vitamin D, do you suggest that they take vitamin A to balance it out? Well, what, what we recommend is cod liver oil. And again, that's a nutrient that your, your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents grew up with, but you, not so much. Uh, and me, not so much. I mean, I don't, I don't remember having it as a child. I know my mom and, and her parents had it, but, but we, it isn't just any um, form of cod liver oil. There are only, there are only a, a few that we really recommend. Rosita's is a really good brand. Uh, the Formula IQ has a very nice brand and then Jigsaw Health. And those are the ones we really stand behind because of the balanced nature of the retinol, the vitamin A and the vitamin D. But what's important for people to realize is that in, in these more natural forms of supplements, the amount of retinol can be 10 to 20 times more than vitamin D. Well, that's not an accident. Mother Nature knows how important retinol is to run our body. And what I, what I really have learned to do is put everything into an energy frame of reference. And I, I've researched how does vitamin D increase energy production? Nothing. Retinol, completely different. And it's amazing what role retinol plays uh, in the movement of electrons and supporting the optimal expression of the mitochondria. And I think that's a really telling distinction. And so people, again, they need to be asking better questions and, and demanding better answers. And you need to realize that there's more to the story. And this lockstep um, uh, narrative that is found on the internet may not be the full story. And I think we just have to be open to that possibility and be a little more scrutinizing about what we do and, and make, just make sure that we have the full story. So what I'm hearing you say is that, <clears throat> so cod liver oil has a lot of vitamin A and vitamin D in it. And really cod liver oil, isn't it just fish oil that's extracted from the tissue of fish, like tuna, herring, mackerel, like all of those. Well, it's, They're it's basically a, uh, taking the oil from the liver of those fish. It's actually cod. Is Over a period of, of research, they identified that the cod fish was the most uh, representative of the nutrients that we're looking for. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Like the cod liver oil is from cod, from the fish cod, but I'm saying regular fish oil is extracted from like tuna, like right. all the different ones. And you're saying cod liver is the best. Yes, I stand solidly behind cod liver oil. I do not recommend fish oils. 
and very again i take very specific stances i know drive some people crazy but uh again it's the as soon as you're on the side of the majority this famous saying by uh, mark twain it's a good time to question you know what your thought process is so i've learned to really challenge the assumptions that we work from or that we're led to believe are, are in our best interest and i the the whole driving um, thought process behind the root cause protocol was to cut against the grain of the narrative and say, what do we really need in order to have bioavailable copper and have optimal expression of our energy production in our mitochondria? And it's very different than what people would have suspected otherwise. And it's just been a very gradual process of discovery over the last 12 years that there really is, the information is out there, the research is there to support it, but you have to dig for it. And I'm just ornery enough and persistent enough to find that research. And it's rock solid and there's lots of it. And I'm, I'm excited to make that information available for people to become more aware of it. Well, I have two questions from listeners. Um, and one of them is from, it looks like, I don't know if it's Juan or Juan or I'm not sure, Ro. It says, I'm having massive joint problems. I'm a 49-year-old male. And from Dr. Google, it looks like I might have gout. I drink a lot of beer and I've stopped drinking beer and switched to vodka and mixed drinks. I know that I need to give up drinking completely, but that's a different issue. Let's not go there. I would love to hear any best ideas of whether you think it's gout and how to get rid of it. That's one question. And then I have another one from Heather Blackstone from Austin, Texas. Love your podcast. It's been life-changing for me. Have lost 20 pounds and have about eight more to go. I have one issue that's causing major issues. I took a Dutch test and it shows that I have low progesterone, low estrogen, and I'm now going through menopause. My joints are hurting so much. Have you heard of LDN? Mm -hmm. And do you have anyone that can come on the show to talk about LDN? which is a low-dose naldextrone. Right. So I'll let you address both of those since they're both on joint issues. Yeah. So with, with one, <clears throat> we don't know for certain that it's uh, gout, but it sounds like a, a pretty good bet. What people need to realize is that uh, alcohol is the fastest sugar on the planet. Uh, sugar is very hard on copper metabolism. That, that goes back to research into the... Uh, 19 teens, it's, it's well known. Um, but what's particularly um, destructive is high fructose corn syrup. Um, and it, it creates ethanol, and ethanol really zaps copper. That, that, that's a fact. It was Myra Fields at the USDA that really established that uh, logic back in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. But um, what's missing here is and and one of the more interesting articles about this is by Stephanie Seneff, um, and she um, and her colleague Samsel, Dr. Samsel, have written about the the rise of um, gout in a post-GMO world. Well, GMO means there's glyphosate, 
Well, glyphosate is very hard. I don't know whether Juan is eating an organic diet. Um, very good chance that he's not, as most people don't, because it's expensive and it takes a lot of, of uh, time to, to find it and prepare it. But uh, if you're eating commercial food, you're getting exposed to those farming chemicals and they are robbing you of copper. And there's a very important enzyme called uricase. Uricase breaks down uric acid so it doesn't build up in your joints. So it's, it's a, you know, again, little known mechanism, but it's in the literature. It's very, very well chronicled. And so there's a, probably a very good chance that one would need to uh, modify his diet, uh, continue to modify your diet, be very careful about the, the foods that you're eating. You probably would benefit from the root cause protocol and very likely you'd benefit from the, the copper supplement. So those would just be some, some basic uh, options. Again, we don't, we're basing this uh, set of recommendations on very limited information from one. Ideally, we should have some blood testing. We should have a conversation. My, my consults usually take an hour and a half so I can really understand what stress the individual's under. But um, I think those are some safe uh, steps that Juan can take. Now, as it relates to Heather's situation. Well, let, let's talk about the one with gout real quick, because yeah. I have something funny to say about that. Because I have, we actually had a friend of ours that spent the night, um, a friend of my husband's, and he came over and he had he has gout. And he had said to me, he was like, I have gout. And I said, well, I, I, I knew another person that has gout and I know that it's caused by high uric acid buildup in the blood. And, you know, I was trying to help this other friend and I know some natural remedies. And so I said, he was like, okay, well, give them to me. So I said, well, you know, one of the things is like, you know, tart cherry juice or tart cherries, um, magnesium and having like, you know, malic acid, cause it kind of counters the the high uric acid so last night i was like okay i'm gonna give you apples so i gave him like apples i gave him some some malic acid i gave him some cherries i mean i gave the and then i gave him magnesium i gave him all this stuff and then he woke up the next day this morning i was making him breakfast and i said now how do you feel and he said i feel worse <laughs> <laughs> and i was like well you know, all my, my treatments. And, and one of the things I should have given him is some copper. I think that copper is your bet, not, not the magnesium. And I'm a huge yeah. fan of magnesium, as you know. So. Yeah. So I'll, I will give him that copper and see if that helps. Okay. So let's, so you would say that would be a good, good thing for him is to take that copper and see if that helps. I, I would encourage people to bone up on what this whole root cause protocol is, what the right. back, background dynamics of copper and iron and really get a context for the for what the root cause protocol is, but the copper uh, supplement is a nice addition to that that protocol. Um, as it relates to Heather's situation, we sort of covered that a little bit with our discussion of LDN. Um, I'm hardly an expert. I really, I mean, I, uh, I I have a working knowledge of what LDN does, but it was. Um, that article that I came across recently, they really crystallized my understanding of, of why it works. But it's it's not it it's a it's a synthetic correction of an underlying um, metabolic breakdown due to a lack of bioavailable copper. Well, the, the doctors don't know what that is. They again, I tease them. Their their degree stands for mineral denialist, 
They don't know what minerals are. They don't know what minerals do, especially magnesium and copper, which is probably the two most important minerals. And so the, the copper, the lack of copper in Heather's body is affecting um, the, um, the movement of iron. It's getting locked up in tissue, getting locked up in joint tissue, very commonplace for it to take place. And she needs to open up the recycling system uh, to really allow for the relief to take place. Again, same, same factors. And I think what's hard for people to realize is that um, there's like 30,000 different conditions identified in the Merck manual. There's only one problem with the Merck manual. There's no mention of the protagonist. And so the protagonist is copper. I guarantee you every condition that exists, it, it's a, um, it starts with energy loss, which is why the book is called Cure Your Fatigue. Energy loss at the cellular level is what starts the problem. And everything flows from that loss of energy and it begins to affect all of the downstream pathways that aren't getting fuel because of a lack of energy. One thing that I think is very interesting that you talked about when we were talking about parasites is that animals that were low in copper also were high in parasites. Talk about that for just a second. Yeah, this is the pioneering work of an Australian animal farmer. Her name is Pat Colby, C-O-L-E-B-Y. She wrote four books in uh, the 2015, 2016 timeframe, natural goat care, sheep care, cattle care, and horse care. And she makes a very specific point in each of those four books about any animal that is low in copper is going to have parasites and any animal with parasites is low in copper. Now, the <laughs> distinction that I put on it is it's bioavailable copper. It isn't just high or low, it's bioavailable copper. And she makes a particular point that uh, this is not just a third world country. This is any animal. And you and I are animals, unfortunately. We don't always remember that. But we live in a very copper deficient environment. The, the, the amount of copper that we have in our diet is a fraction of what it was 100 years ago especially 200 years ago. And so we didn't know it was important. I certainly didn't know this um, 10 years ago, but it's, it becomes the focal point. And the reason why it is so important is you can't, you can't release energy molecules inside the mitochondria unless you can turn oxygen into water. Well, that enzyme action, it's, it's an enzyme called cytochrome C oxidase. Oxidase means oxygen is involved. But I think it's one of the most important enzyme functions on the planet. And it's copper that does that. And it's actually three coppers that run that center. And so if we don't have the copper in our mitochondria, we can't activate oxygen, turn it into water, release the energy to allow the metabolism to stay in balance. And that's, that's where the whole mechanism is getting people to realize that there is this primal driver for energy and it, it revolves around having bioavailable copper 
in our diet and in our tissue. So it's, it's just a very important uh, frame of reference for people to have. Yeah. And I think it's important, just like what you said is like, you know, the, the copper is important and that's an important piece too, but it's also the rest of what we're eating, right? Like, it's not just like, kind of like this other guy who's like, look, you know, I, I switched from beer to vodka, but I'm going to keep drinking. So it's like, okay, who knows how much he's drinking. If you're going to continue to be drinking like a fish and eating you know, complete junk. It's like, okay, well, the copper can help, but not, but, but so much, cause you've got to fix the whole thing holistically. So I love your book and I love how you give some practical tips and, and for them to get all the tips, um, you know, they'll have to get the book, but give us like someone who's listening to this, obviously we want to clean up our diet, really get rid of that processed food, but give us three practical things that they need to do right now to besides fixing their diet, getting rid of the alcohol, what do they need to do to kind of get going on just better health now? Great, great question. Um, I think that um, we live in very stressful times uh, and that stress creates fear in our body and it creates fear in our physiology. I would encourage people to do emotional release work, emotional freedom technique, very, very powerful technique to um, release the negative energy that we're we're all dealing with. Uh, I think it's very important to have movement in your day. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to run marathons every other day. Uh, Just regular movement is very, very important. And I mean, I'm building on the idea that people are going to be taking corrective action for their diet. So movement is is especially important. And then I think probably the third thing is every hour of sleep before midnight is two hours of sleep. And so a lot of people are working with their gadgets right up until whenever they go to bed, whenever their head hits the pillow. I would encourage people to stop their devices at nine o'clock and then read, I know that sounds heretical, or play cards or do something, and then put their head on the pillow at 10 o'clock. And that is a magical uh, bonus of time for people to get get the uh, restorative sleep. The the sleep is so important for the brain and for the liver. And uh, in many respects, those two organs are very, very much connected to each other. But I think people need to understand that anything, whatever they can do to support the recovery of the brain and the liver is going to really pay huge dividends going forward as they begin to address changes in their diet. And then also taking the cod liver and the copper every day. Is there, if they, if they are looking for a specific cod liver or in the copper, what's important for them to look for when they're looking for one of what's important to, to make sure like, it has this or this amount. Talk about that. Everything is about the processing of these oils. So I would I would really make it simple. The the uh, the Rolls Royce of cod liver oil is Rosita's. It's an amazing product. It's not the least expensive, but it's it is an amazing product. And then I think you've got uh, Jigsaw Health and uh, Formula IQ are two very good products that are. Uh, Maybe, if you will, step down from the rolls, but they're they're still delivering 
very good quality uh, retinol and uh, vitamin D and they're processed in very carefully, um, in very careful ways. So I think it's, it, I would encourage people that there are about a hundred different forms of cod liver oil and it's very risky. I'm just trying to simplify it for people. Just use those three. Those are the three that we really stand behind and get really good results with. So I would just simplify it. And then um, can you go over the three different kinds that they could get for the copper? Yeah. So um, for in terms of supplemental copper, typically what we're talking about is the, the desiccated liver or the real liver, the vitamin C, because it has tyrosinase in it, or bee pollen. Those would be your food sources. But if folks are looking for supplemental sources, I would say um, hydrazole made by Natural Immunogenics. They, they're the ones that make the sovereign silver and they make a copper hydrazole, which is an amazing product. Uh, Dr. Um, Picker with reverse skin aging makes a copper cream, very, very popular and very effective. It's, it's uh, the color blue, uh, inside, very deep, deep blue, which means the copper is very uh, heavily concentrated in that cream, and it, it delivers a real uh, effective source of copper. And then, of course, the recuperate, um, the uh, desiccated liver, spirulina, and turmeric with the uh, copper bisglycinate. And then let's talk about foods. Um, so if you were going to name some more foods that you kind of go, I really suggest trying to get these foods in your diet to have more copper and to feel better, what would those be? Um, the, the challenge, Chantel, is, is finding good sources from good farmers. Uh, if you If you have a farmer's market and you know the farmers and you can really attest to their commitment. I think that makes sense. And so um, again, cherries are, are an incredible source of copper, but they've got to be farmed properly, right? Um, you know, one of the richest sources of vitamin C is fresh pine needles steeped in water. I, I have a cousin who is a 35 year veteran of the special forces. He saved more than one man's life by using pine needle tea to bring them back. And it was the, the uh, tyrosinase in those uh, pine needles that had the copper that helped them recover. Um, you know, nuts and seeds, cashews, pistachio nuts, pecans. But again, we've got to be careful about how they're grown and how they're processed. So the, historically, there were many, many, many different sources of copper. But in the, in the post-GMO era, all these, all these foods now that are GMO, like corn and soybean and alfalfa and oats and sugar beets, those were rich sources of copper. Well, they don't have copper in them if they have GMO. That, that's what people don't realize is these classic sources of this mineral have been shut off because of the use of Roundup, uh, Roundup Ready Seed means that there's no copper there. And that's a, that's a real tragedy. Yeah, and I did hear that that goat cheese has a little bit of mm -hmm. copper in it, which I'm a big fan of goat cheese and obviously greens and mm -hmm. you know asparagus and quinoa, just all of those kind of things to really get you going. You gotta be careful, the, the, the nutrient tables haven't really been updated since the 1950s. 
And they've got all sorts of eye candy now. They're really glitzy and they look really cool on the internet, but the quality of the data hasn't changed in 70 years. And mm -hmm. so that's a, that's a real disappointment. And there are notable uh, studies. Uh, one was done at Rutgers back in 2000 where they compared commercial food to organic food. And it was a, a dramatic difference in the level of nutrients, minerals, and vitamins that were available in these foods. And again, we don't know that. We just assume that you know, we go to the supermarket, it's all about being fresh. Well, fresh does not mean quality. It just means it's fresh. Mm. And we don't like to think about that. You know? So we, we have to be really mindful that there's a, uh, there needs to be discernment. And it's like, we've got so much stress in our lives, right? And you don't want to have to worry about the food that you're eating. But I think what you and I are really highlighting is we do need to be very discerning in, in what food we're putting in our mouths in order to get optimal expression of our energy and our, and our um, genome, if you will, um, the genome of the body. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being our guest. Every time you come on, I learned something new and I hope you guys got tons of value on it. Would you show everyone your book, which you should go out right now and get this book and tell listeners where you, where they can find you and where they can follow you. Here's the book, uh, whoops, Cure Your Fatigue. And the, the symbol for copper is CU. That's why it's highlighted. Um, you can get the, obviously get the book on Amazon or any, any bookseller that you're in, uh, in favor of. Uh, the website is rcp123.org. Um, there's an RCP community. There's, um, there's a training program, all sorts of things. And then we have uh, social media. We have Instagram and two Facebook accounts. We have a, uh, a group and a, and a page uh, on uh, Facebook. And oodles and oodles of information are available through the social media and the, and the website. Awesome. Well, you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.